0: Blog Talk Radio yeah. For sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets I ain't got no cigarettes Ah, but two hours of Pushing brooms by some Eight for twelve for room I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Third boxcar, midnight train Destination, Bangor, Maine Old worn-out suit and shoes I don't pay no union dues I smoke old stogies I have found Short, not too big around I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Descent. No phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes. I but two hours of pushing brooms by eight for twelve for room. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road, king of the road.
1: Welcome to the Monday, February fifth edition of the Old Dominion Libertarian. This is Joe and Ruffy with you tonight, and we have Jeffrey Sanford on the line, Jeff Kleb on the line, and Andy Andy Craig is going to join us very shortly. Um, And we have Dave Knoll on the line. Also, we're going to bring him on just a second. How are you? Hello. Good, Joe. so we're we're just awaiting Andy to arrive, and and I'm making sure that he remembered because sometimes with the with the time change, he forgets. So I'm just sending him a quick note.
2: Well, look, um, go. Joe, we got a lot of interesting stuff to discuss. In the meantime, put Dave on. We can talk. Well, we don't need Andy to talk. Let's just see what Dave's got to say. He's a, he's a, he's the man in the
1: know. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> um, so what I'm it's gonna do going. I'm going to Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna um I'm gonna bring Dave on in just a second. Um I wanna ask sure. you guys a, a question first um before I do that, and that is, um, what did you think of the State of the Union address?
3: I didn't watch it. I had to get up at two AM to go to work the next day, but I just heard parts of it on the radio the next day.
2: I watched it. It was it was a thing of beauty uh, when you look at the way that he would say these things about uh, you know some wonderful people out there. You know he'd tell a great story and everyone would stand up and applaud these people and the Democrats would all sit down there and you could just look at him sitting there. And then the way that lady was chewing her teeth and shooting daggers at him and then the other guy jumped up and ran out in the middle of a uh, like a big I don't know he's there's chanting USA. I thought. It was Trump triumphant for where it's <laughs> I he think did? Trump's on top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> on
1: well, Trump's the thing on I like about the it is, she, is that
3: Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were really upset and angry and mad, so it had to be good. <laughs> well, she was, she
2: was like, she was, looked like she was popping her false teeth in and out of her mouth the whole time.
3: She was chewing on a stick. She had a stick to bite on. It hurt so bad.
1: Oh it I don't think that her teeth fit properly, but that's um, <laughs> you know she's on the govern she's she's on the um, the um, San Francisco um, government dental plan, so um, they they give her whatever false teeth they have around the office.
3: No. Yeah, just whatever he
1: got.
3: <laughs> hey, just remember no, that know, somewhere me. out there, there is a man. If you think you've got it bad, there is a man out there named Mr. Pelosi. So just keep that in mind.
2: Is he the guy who yeah. has the contract well, to anyway. sell all the U.S. Postage Post Offices? Is that, is that Pelosi's husband that has the contract? He's the realtor, it's like he's going to make a billion dollars on this contract to sell the post offices off to private people.
3: It wouldn't surprise me.
2: No, no, no. There's one of those big Congresswomen whose husband has is the realtor for the post office deal. You know, they're selling all the – Is all that Diane Feinstein? That
1: Diane Feinstein.
2: Diane Feinstein. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, how Sci-fi. crooked is that? That's disgusting. Crony capitalism.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, gentlemen, let's bring Dave Nall on now. Uh, Dave is with the Liberty First Network. I'm sure you've seen that around on Facebook. Um Especially back during the Johnson-Weld campaign of 2016, um, he's still very active on Facebook. Um, he's one of my favorite people to to um, to um, speak with. Oh, by the way, Andy is here, so I'm I'm going to bring Andy. him on, and then we'll get we'll get started. And let's see, I got to unmute his microphone. Um, hey, Andy. Hey, guys. <laughs> uh,
4: hey guys, good evening. we right,
1: we're we're bringing Dave on right now. now, so I gotta unmute his mic here because he doesn't it. have too long tonight. But uh, good evening, Dave. How are you? I'm
5: doing fine. How are y'all?
1: Good evening, Welcome sir. Welcome to the show. No, oh, We, yeah, we right. are great. We, we yeah, we are doing great. So I thought we'd bring you in on the conversation, Dave, to start off with. Uh, what did you think about okay. the State of the Union speech? Well, uh, I only watched it after
5: the fact, and I read I read the text of it, which may have been better than the actual speech. But uh, you know, I think that uh, somebody was talking before about Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all those guys and how they reacted to it. They're going to react negatively. Any speech given by a Republican, um, it could have been the softest, squishiest, most you know, pro left éch- issues the Republican could get, and they're going to react very negatively. So you can't judge anybody that behavior. Um, I think the speech was, uh, like most of Trump's speeches, it seemed to be mostly a campaign speech, uh, not so substantive as it could be. Um, I'm not, I'm not entirely anti-Trump, but I don't think he's, he's terribly, well qualified to, to do things, like make state of the union speeches, um, because he doesn't have that much knowledge of how the system of the government actually works. Um, and I think if you wanted to dismantle the government, it helps a lot to know what you're going to do what you're dealing with uh to dismantle parts of it and i don't think he's very well informed in that area and he's relying on people uh who are as much as so a deep state as anybody else is um yeah so uh you know it was a red meat kind of speech um and i'm I sure i'm sure people liked it but of course uh the stock market has gone down what is it a uh, 1800 points in the last two days so uh that might uh, – if that had happened before the State of the Union address, it might have been quite a bit uh, more negative reaction.
2: Yeah, true. <laughs> Everything is the economy. Everything is the economy, yeah. y'all. I mean, that's a major deal. I mean, but it's still – it's been going up so long. I mean, it, you know, corrections happen. Markets go up. Markets go down. So
5: well, sure.
2: it uh, might not mean as big a deal as it could, but it's still, it, it was telling. Something happened. I mean, the, the markets lost confidence, I think. Uh, there was <clears throat> something triggered that there was some kind of policy change that he uh, is on that, that must have done that. I think because you know, did the did the Fed raise the rate a little bit or something? It Had to be that, huh? No, I think it's, I think it's the. Uh,
5: it's more likely that it's the uh, uh, awareness that, that sort of came about this last week uh, that he's going to borrow a billion, uh, what is a trillion dollars, or oh, to pay mm-hmm. off. Debts they acquired for the last year, um, and that's 84 percent higher than any year in any previous administration. That's just crazy.
4: Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing
2: too. Yeah, I mean, 8, just Trump is no different than Hillary. In the
4: deficit is uh, an interesting uh, benchmark to hit yeah. for our our new all Republican federal government. Uh, it's trumplery
2: I, I think I put that on my Facebook before during the election. It's going to be trumplery Yep. Well, you know, all Republicans
5: federal all Republicans aren't the same, too. And the people that Trump has supporting him enthusiastically among the Republican leadership are the same weasels who supported Bush, who supported every previous administration. They're not the, no Republicans, not the good Republicans who want to really make changes. Um, you know, they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're flattering him and they're—they're they're talking up his policies, and that's just because they want to keep power, um, and that's where they see the wind blowing. They don't want to really want to make changes, and when it comes right down to it, if he does try to implement more changes, they're gonna resist it uh behind the scenes as hard as anything else.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So speaking uh, of change let me ask you, ask you Dave, what's your uh, I know you've held a variety of positions what's your your current position with RLC?
5: Um I'm currently on an large member of the board. Um uh,
4: large
5: act cool. I'm I'm acting South Central Director, but I'm trying to get out of that position. And I hope that will happen at some point. Um but also I'm the head of the endorsements committee too. And I want to, I want to put in a plug. We've got two endorsements uh, that are just out one for Austin Peterson in uh, Missouri and also for Sheriff Mack, who's running in Arizona uh, and uh, they're pretty good candidates uh, and Sheriff Mack we've been first before um, and compared to the people they're running against they're they're remarkably good. Uh, and I think we'll have some other ones coming up soon. I think Nick Freitas in uh, you in Virginia, right? Uh, Nick Freitas in Virginia um, is likely to get an endorsement too, and he's very good.
2: Hey, what, what group? Okay. Did you, did you, did you, who's, who's given these endorsements? What's the name of the group? Republican Liberty Caucus. Republican Liberty Caucus. So you, you are actually right. GOP. You are you are a, a Republican with libertarian.
5: I like to 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 straddle both uh, uh, streams. So <laughs> I'm a member of, but, party, but, I've but, been but, member of the Libertarian Party since 1976. I worked
2: on
5: oh, your Roger McBride campaign. Yeah, I worked on the Roger McBride so you're a libertarian. campaign, the first campaign i worked on.
2: I was yeah, going to say, Joe lets you on the wasn't. show without being a registered libertarian. I was going to say, that's a, that's a first, too, because Joe never lets anyone on this show without a libert- registered libertarian.
3: <laughs> well, <unfortunately, laughs> well,
2: he is. I'm, well, you know,
3: he is. I'm, not, I, I'm a member of the
5: Libertarian Party. Okay, I'm so a member of the Libertarian Party, but I'm registered in Texas as a Republican, because you can do both at the same time. Um, and I vote for almost all libertarian candidates in the elections except in the Republican primary when I vote for the most libertarian Republican there is um, because that's where progress is being made for the most part is in the Republican Party. And even what, the how, most what prominent libertarians. Are me? What progress do well, I mean, the Republicans make? I mean, actually, they're making progress for the Libertarian Party because we get people like Laura Etke elected, and then she changes parties when she gets fed up with Trump. And you get elected libertarians uh, with some credentials and some background and more chance of being elected again as a result. I don't care about the political parties. I care about advancing the issue of liberty. And if that can be done in the Republican Party, if it can be done in the libertarian party, I'm going to support whatever efforts should be made, get more liberty for people in America. Um, But don't you see
2: the enemy as the two-party system? I mean to what extent can you do that and still be a part of the problem if the problem is the two-party system?
5: I don't have – I don't have the power to tear down the two-party system. Uh, with Liberty First, we're trying to sort of get people to expand their vision of politics and maybe look for a nonpartisan or transpartisan solution. But I can't just just erase the way things are. And if I'm going to work within the system, uh, I have to you know deal with Republican, Libertarian, the parties that exist. Um, and you know, I want to get things done. The people who are getting things done, really uh, – on, on the federal level, are mostly libert, Libertarian Republicans. People like uh, Rand Paul, like Justin Amash, like uh, Thomas Massey, uh, Mike Lee uh,
2: are They're getting their brains commoner- kicked in. Hmm? They're
5: getting okay.
2: their brains kicked in every time. They don't get anything done. But at least yeah. they're
5: trying, um, and at least people see them trying on a national level.
2: Well, we I, I, we're going keep they, trying and losing.
5: I have a question. They have don't a crime, get they
1: have. Uh, they the have I have a
5: spotlight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have. I have a question for you. Um, do you see anyone on the Democratic side that you like?
5: Oh, right now, all the Democrats that I liked uh, seem to have gone out of office. Um, <laughs> uh, one Democrat I liked who I thought had some libertarian leanings, and one of the things you know, having integrity uh, is a very good first step. Towards being more libertarian, and I thought that Evan Bay had the potential to be a really good leader for the mm-hmm. Democrats. But you know, you know what happened? He got disgusted with the process, and he he retired. And he's he's right. about my age. He's not that old, um, but he just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and that's happened to a lot of Republicans as well. Uh, they just are fed up with the the hassle. Uh, you know,
4: these yeah, people Blake. go to
5: office, go to what Flake? Yeah, Flake great. A great Blake, Yeah. You know, but he's a good example because they go to to Washington with the intention to be libertarians and to do great things for the country, and to you know make more liberty for everybody. That was Jeff Flake's intention. And then the longer they're there, they get more and more frustrated. It's not that they sell out; it's that they discover they can't get anything done uh, on these major issues from a libertarian perspective. And what little advancement they can make, they can only make by compromising. And so you get somebody like Flake, who's just totally frustrated and and basically, you know, the party has turned against him because he stood up against Trump, and it's terrible, uh, you know, the way this has worked out for him. You know, he was the head of the Goldwater Institute. Uh, he, uh, he was the only Republican at one point who supported legalizing marijuana, uh, and, you know, he, he's been screwed, you know, all along the way uh, because he wasn't playing ball with the elites.
4: So speaking of, uh, of- Flake and Trump and GOP, um, do you think there will be a substantial... Well, one, do you think Trump's going to run for re-election? Assuming he does. Do you think there will be a substantial primary challenger, and could it be somebody that RLC might get behind, like potentially Jeff Flake or, or one of the others? Well,
5: yeah. the question is whether it will be somebody like Kasich or somebody like Flake. Uh, if it's somebody right. like Kasich, there's no reason to support him because he's more of the same. Uh, he's not maybe as authoritarian as trump is in his leanings but he's just as bad on fiscal issues as trump could ever be probably worse than trump on fiscal issues and he he doesn't really offer anything to attract libertarians to voting for him uh i think the best thing that could happen would be a flake were to get fed up to the point where he would run in the libertarian party uh and if the party were willing to put its issues aside and give him the nomination he'd be a very he would then become as libertarian as he could be uh, and I think liber- Flake's potential to be a libertarian is very high, maybe as high as Gary Johnson's, mm-hmm. certainly higher than Bill Rose. Uh he, he, um, he would he all of his libertarian tendencies would come to the front if he got the libertarian nomination. I don't think it's gonna happen, but that's a sort of a dream uh, well, to get right. Well if he
4: wanted to do it I would I would be there and I know plenty of folks in the party would be there to help make it happen. I know a lot of people wanted him to try to run for reelection. The yeah. to have a three-way race break he could run a plural. That'd, like, that'd I still wish he'd done that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think he could have won a, a three-way race, but.
1: Uh, um, well, what do you? I have you a, another question, Dave. There, there are there are some hmm. libertarians out there that say this is what they've told me, and one of them is on this show hmm. with us tonight, and he says, you know, Jeff Flake is really good at going against the president. But he voted for the for the debt increase, I mean for the debt ceiling yes. increase, and he just wants bigger government. So why would we want him as a libertarian candidate? Well, I don't think that's true. I mean, this is what, I'm, what I was talking about earlier.
5: I think that,
1: debt, that Flake, like a lot of
5: these guys, when they got into office, they found out the only way they could do anything was to compromise and make deals. And they get in the habit of doing that, and they say, you know, I'll vote for this debt increase uh, because somewhere down the road, they're going to give me a little bit of, you know, exposure uh, to do something I want to do. Uh, and eventually you just get in the habit of going along. Uh, so you, what you want is, is somebody like Flake to come to the Libertarian Party and say, fuck it, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do because I don't have to, you know, give in to those pressures anymore. Uh, and then you get a much more uh, Libertarian slant on the same same guy. The problem with the Libertarian <laughs> Party is that... That people have memories, and they 're going to hold his past behavior against him really hard. Some people are uh, you know the same way they held, held it against Bill Weld uh, as vice presidential candidate for the libertarians. Uh, some people just don 't understand this this gray area that these politicians operate in uh, and the compromise they 've had to make in the past, and they 're unforgiving uh, and that 's a problem.
1: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, Bill Weld got the, I mean, got the nomination. They, yeah,
2: they let Bill Weld do it. I mean, we let Bill Weld go, so I mean, that guy's damn near a communist. He's as far from libertarian as uh, anybody I've ever met. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, they let him do the deal, you know, so he, I he, mean, Jeff Blake cr- is better than him.
5: He cut two budgets in Massachusetts. He, you know, he wanted to legalize marijuana, legalize gay marriage uh, when he was a Republican. Uh, that's a lot more libertarian than most Republicans are. Uh, and he was, he was willing to run a libertarian ticket Which, you know, your average Republican isn't going to be willing to do uh, And he agreed to the platform uh, And to various other uh, promises Like the gun on, on, on the gun issue uh, You know, that, he, he changed He was willing to change to meet the expectations of the libertarian party uh, And that's a big part uh, of what you're going to have to do With any mainstream candidate who's got a little bit of experience no, so I was
2: proud of him. Uh, he definitely, he definitely, Bill Weld. We owe him a debt. I think he, he came over. I think he represented well. You know, for yeah. the the people that want to see Clinton in prison, you know, what I'm saying he, he sort of aggravated some of us a little bit along the way. But hey, he's running yeah. for president. Of course, he's going to aggravate people.
5: Yeah, well, and oh, so, then uh, you know, the, the whole Clinton thing. He didn't really endorse Clinton. He just expressed a certain amount of sympathy for her, uh, which, on a personal level, I understand. But it was pretty dumb to do as a presidential candidate.
4: Probably wasn't the best uh, move. Um, yeah. So on the uh, one question that we've been talking about a lot on the federal level, congressional, um, what's what's RLC got going on at the at the state level? Are there any states where the 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 I mean, either RLC or just kind of the liberty wing of the party more broadly um, has a yeah. good foothold in like state legislatures and that sort of thing?
5: Yeah, we have good candidates running in – I don't know every state, of course, but we've got good candidates running in Texas and Florida, I know, um, uh, particularly well, in Florida that Rebecca, Rebecca Bidlack is running for office again. Um, she's a great person. She uh, She's uh, um, married to Jonathan Bidlack. She worked for a while for the uh, uh, Coalition for Reduced Spending in, in Washington, D.C. She's very libertarian, uh, and she's a young, personable candidate. And she had a better chance this time, I think, than she did in the last run she made. Uh, and then in Texas, we've got a bunch of candidates running. We haven't even sorted it all out yet. But uh, most prominently, uh, Jerry Patterson, uh, who was our Texas land commissioner, founder of the, Libertari- of the Republican Liberty Caucus of Texas, uh, mm-hmm. and he's a very libertarian guy. Uh, he had been land commissioner here, and uh, he he decided to retire from that job and, and run for lieutenant governor. He He got smeared in the lieutenant governor's race last election because he made the mistake of uh, endorsing uh, not endorsing uh, creationism and saying that, well, maybe mm-hmm. evolution should be considered. Uh, and that was the end of his career in that. But he's gone back and he's running against George P. Bush for land commissioner. Uh, and although he doesn't have as much money as Bush, he has really good credentials and it's a job he did really well. Uh, so he has a pretty good chance of getting elected again. Uh, you know, winning a back in office that we previously held isn't as good as winning a new office, but it'd be nice to see Jerry back in that job. And then we've got a bunch of people running uh, on local level and congressional candidates. There's some very libertarian uh, members of our Texas house, like Jonathan Stickland, who's going to get reelected really easily. Um, and we may have a, a, one of our former endorsees uh, running in uh, CD 21 to replace with Lamar Smith. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um,
4: Excellent. So when, so when you all are looking at um, endorsements, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the standards the LP applies that sometimes might be a bit too strict. What what sort of,
3: yeah.
4: you know, do you all have litmus test issues or do you all have uh, – how do you all make that decision of who's, who's good enough to uh, to get your backing?
5: Well, the way it works for the RLC, we've got um, surveys, questionnaires
4: that uh, candidates allow.
5: Um And uh, there's a federal candidate questionnaire and there are state candidate questionnaires in every state. Uh, and they fill them out. And it's fairly detailed. It, it has – the federal one has these – a set of questions where it lists a bunch of legislation and it asks candidates if they would have voted for it or would be against it. Uh, and it's things like the Patriot Act and uh, uh, the FISA and uh, 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 various other acts that are controversial and which on which liberty issues sort of hinge. Uh, and then we've got some general questions, which are things like, uh, you know, what do you think the proper role of the US military is, uh, you know, when should it be used, and then it's got multiple choice answers and you can put in an explanation. Uh and and candidates do pretty well with it and they answer it fairly honestly. Uh now sometimes they they try to fudge their answers to get our endorsement, but a lot of the time they just you know give up and don't bother to submit it when they realize what our slant is that these questions right. are going to reveal what how libertarian they are, and the interesting thing, and this is one of the, I think this is one of the coolest things in politics, uh, is sometimes you get them to answer it, uh, and they'll call you up, and they'll say, I'm going to answer these truthfully, but please don't reveal the answers to anyone. <laughs> uh, and actually, we had that one of the candidates uh, who did that was Christine O'Donnell a few years ago in Delaware, and she answered the questions with extremely libertarian answers like we're talking endorsing legalizing drugs and all sorts of other things that, that you never would have expected from a Republican candidate, especially one with her sort of conservative credentials. Um, and, you know, we didn't say anything about it at the time, uh, but it made us understand that there was a lot more to her as a candidate than this sort of thing that her opponents drug up about her having been a witch and all this stuff. You know, that kind of silly stuff that the campaigns focus on uh, is, is a distraction from the real issues and that it works know, yeah it works um and but you know they could have it would have been interesting if they'd gone after her for some of her actual beliefs which were very libertarian and might have backfired on them and, and helped her out but they don't
1: want to do that yeah well, well this is a question um, i got a
2: question i got a question about a specific person tulsi gabbard is she any good do you know her tulsi gabbard as a democrat do you know her
5: I know of her, yeah. I don't really know her personally. I know a lot of people think that she's got that. She's got that kind of thing, which I was talking about before, where she has a certain level of integrity, uh, which may, you know, that people who have integrity are more likely to be liberty leaning than not, or at least as liberty leaning as, as they can
2: be in that party. Hmm? Amen. Thank you. That's what I said. The party of integrity. Because when I ran, I knew I wasn't going to win, and, and but I yeah. knew that I was going to make a difference. You know, until you run. Uh, with integrity, you know, against oh, yeah. the two-party system that's caused all these problems. I mean, who, if you mm-hmm. you had a manager running your 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 business or your life for a hundred years, and they've been screwing it up over and over and over again, how long would it take you to figure out to fire them? That's that two-party system in charge of our country. We got to get oh, rid yeah. of them. That's what I say.
5: Yeah, but the problem is that. <laughs> How do you do it? That's the, I mean, that's what I wrestle with all the time is how do you nice. break the, out the of independents
2: that system? Win, the, the independents win every election, but all you got to do is think, as an independent, I'm going to run as an independent, I'm going to vote as an independent, and I think independent of the two-party system. That aligns you right. all with all of the people who are not corrupted, the people of integrity like you're talking about. And then mostly, we all run. As, as libertarians, communists, Greens, any damn thing you want, as long as it's not a Republican or a Democrat. And then you can go in there with an unjaundiced eye. You're not going to be you know, dealing with corrupt organizations. You're going to be dealing with people the, who are just normal, regular people of integrity.
5: But you've got to have something going for you beyond just that integrity, because the only way you can break out of that two-party system is by having something else to sell your campaign on. You have to have a hell of a lot of money to spend. Uh, to compensate for the disadvantage of, of being a third party or an independent, or else you, like, like Angus King, for example, in Maine, uh, who was a sort of communist but, but running as an independent, uh, or you have name recognition. And uh, the guy uh, I have as an example of that uh, is Glenn Jacobs in Tennessee, uh, who's running, you know, he's running in a nonpartisan race, uh, but mm-hmm. he's running as a libertarian, but he's got the name recognition to win that race. Uh, and you sort of have to have either celebrity status or a lot of money going for you if you're going to break out of the system. Now, the more people we get to do that, uh, the more candidates there are who get elected on that basis. The more and more it happens, that'll break down the two-party system. Uh, I mean, ideally, I'd like the country to have more of a parliamentary system of government where we had, you know, four or five parties and had to build coalitions. Because once they have to build coalitions to get things done, you have a lot more productive, you know, people talking to each other in, in Congress make a huge difference in how things are done rather than this polar opposition that we have
4: now. I think you and me are definitely on the same page on, on the, the benefits of a, a parliamentary system. It's um, you know, lot, super long-term pipe dreams, maybe. So maybe we'll get yeah. to see someday. But um, so this is something that, that comes up a lot in these sorts of discussions. Um, has in your estimation, and you've been you know at this for a good long while, well before Trump, uh, has the uh, have things gotten better or worse in the Republican Party from a libertarian perspective since you know I guess the ni- early 90s when the RLC was started? Um, you know, I see on the one hand we do have a lot more kind of hardline free market folks in Congress, I and mean, we've got our Justin Amash's and stuff in there. On the other hand, of course, we've got Trump. In the White House and everything that went along With him so and what's your sense Of the the trend line there In terms of of the Liberty wings you know waxing Or waning influence in the within The the GOP coalition
5: Well there are an awful lot of people Who support Trump who claim they're libertarians Which may be good for the Liberty movement in general but I'm not sure It's a particularly accurate description Of what they believe in Uh, And you know some of the People he's got working with him do have some libertarian tendencies, and that's good. Right. Uh, and McMulvane. some of the things he's done, uh, yeah, yeah, Mick Mulvaney is a, was a former RC endorsee and, Dorsey, and he's, he's a pretty good guy. He's a very pragmatic person, uh, individual, but he does have you know liberty inclinations. But he's one of these guys who said, you know, I can't govern on the basis of liberty. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of them, for him, I think, particularly, I'm going to do what's good for the people in my district, and that may not necessarily involve you know, looking out for the liberty of the entire people of the United States, uh, which isn't really his job description when you get down to it. Um, right. But, you know, I think the Republican Party is becoming more and more polarized, and an awful lot of people have left the Republican Party. Uh, and that's going to become a problem uh, because it makes it easier for the party to be taken over by something like these alt-right uh, wackos who associate themselves with Trump because they're, you know, there's not as big a group of people who are willing to push back against that as it would have been in the 1990s. Um, you know, when those kind of crazy people have come to the floor, uh, they'd just been laughed off. But that can't really be uh, done anymore because the party is smaller. Uh, you know, there's a majority of independents now in the country, uh, and the Republican Party is down to like 26% of the voting population. Uh, that's, you know, that's a pretty small number. And most of the Republican Party stalwarts We'll just go along with whatever the leadership tells them to do, uh, and the leadership doesn't have a spine to stand up to anybody, it looks like. Um, and that's you know, that's a bigger problem than anything in, in the Republican Party. Uh, the lack of
2: integrity. Uh, they have no integrity. Leadership. Back to your word of, of the moment. It's integrity, yeah. man. No. You hit it right on the head. They have none. Never. No. And neither do the Democrats. Well at least some of the Democrats at least are honest communists. You know what I'm saying? I'm a I am saying i am going want to take it like Obama. At least they have the respect to say he was honest communist, he didn't call himself that, but I mean he was that.
5: But uh, uh, you know, he's a he's a soft socialist. He's a that's not democratic socialist. He, he favored basic capitalistic principles. Uh, he wasn't that bad as, as far as those things go. I mean, I'd rather vote for a honest socialist than vote for a, a dishonest, lying you know liberty guy. He he who claims he's liberty, but then doesn't follow through on any of it. Um,
2: that's like all the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, uh, they're very good at talking about
5: liberty, but it doesn't seem to mean the same thing that that means to them us. Well,
3: um, well, they, have, uh, have you ever uh, heard of the? Re-
1: go ahead, Jeff.
3: Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, have you ever heard of? Um, uh, I can't think of that guy's name, but he he's got an organization. He's um, I think his name is Matt Somebody. He's got a uh, a group called the republican liberty- Cau- caucus or something like that, and he th- he thinks he can reform the republican party from the inside
5: <laughs> yeah that's that's what I can't I was, I was chairman of the republican Liberty caucus for when
3: there's months, another no years. no there was a guy a few years ago i I had an email exchange with the guy, and uh, now I can't think of his name, but he was Matt trying Kibbe? he thought that you no it wasn't Matt Kibby he was trying Matt, to he, um he was trying to re to reform the Republican Party from within because he said yeah. that you know, he had libertarian beliefs, but he thought a third party just can't make it in America, and if we reform the Republican Party to be more libertarian, there won't be any need for the libertarian party. And it's like, okay, that's not going to happen, but well, I can't think is, of the name is, of the group, it but book. it was something like that.
5: That's the Republican that? Liberty Caucus, and that, that that's the Republican Liberty Caucus, and that's what they're trying to do. No, but it wasn't –
3: it was a name like that, but it was hmm. – uh, it was something very similar. It wasn't the RLC. It hmm. was something very similar to that, and I just Freedom wish I Works? could think of the guy's name. No, no. This was probably, what, five, six years ago?
5: Oh, I'm a, just you know, throwing a blank the time, on it. When FreedomWorks was out, there's also, there was also a group called the uh, – what are they called? Um, there have been other groups that are similar to the Republican Liberty Caucus and what they're trying to do, working within the Republican Party to make to make that kind of libertarian change. Um, but, you know, it's a hard, it's just as hard as, you know, working in the in the Libertarian Party. And you really need both kinds of pressure. You need pressure from within and pressure from without to actually have
4: change that makes a difference. I mean, I, I, ideally, it can be a, a kind of synergistic thing. I mean, I know you You've certainly been you know, had one foot on both sides of the fence with D L P and uh um yeah. several of the RLC's founders was I believe. Wasn't uh, Roger McBride involved in in founding it? I mean, yeah, right. Sort of Roger
5: was the founder of the RLC. He you know, back in uh eight nineteen eighty nine, uh meeting at his house is where it was founded and and then he went on, you know, to to work with them for a while. Um, and he had previously of course, know the first campaign I worked on was his presidential campaign in seventy six um, mm-hmm. you know in the libertarian party uh it 's very frustrating because if you don 't see the libertarian party make much progress it 's made a little bit of progress since then, but you know if you are a libertarian candidate, I ran two thousand two on the libertarian ticket, and it just couldn 't get couldn 't get anywhere it couldn 't get any traction in Texas. The problem I had as a libertarian candidate was that there 's a an option to uh Vote the straight party ticket in Texas, and that pretty much guarantees you'll we'll get about 30 percent of the vote that only goes to the Republicans or the Democrats, and you can't get enough uh independent votes to make up for that.
4: How are they doing on? I, uh, that reminds me that Texas is one of the few states left that has straight ticket divis. How are they doing that on repealing? I know there's a the repeal push in the remaining states that have it. Yeah, I mean, there's progress being made. There's bill proposed last session,
5: and interestingly, there are a lot of Republicans who support repealing that. Um, it, I think it's even the Republican Party platform to repeal straight-ticket voting because they see it as um,
4: you know, something that helps the Democrats a lot, um, and mm-hmm. they're probably right. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, yeah, it's definitely something that numbers and studies bear it out that it does Can, can we shift off Democrats. straight politics and think about I,
2: Bitcoin crashing? Dave, have you got any thoughts about the Bitcoin
4: uh, cryptocurrency
2: meltdown right now?
5: You, sh- you shouldn't have invested anything you couldn't afford to lose <laughs> That's, that's my, my, my take on Bitcoin I have some some Bitcoin uh, and, and some other cryptos but and they've lost a lot of money but I, I, I don't know that it's uh, it's it's a permanent situation. Uh, I think it's like this adjustment in the stock market. Um and it'll turn around eventually but people may have to be patient before they they see those increases coming back. I think the, the thing that we had um I'll give it about a month ago where it went so high was uh it was a speculation fueled bubble. Uh and that should have you know, people should have stayed away
4: from it then, I think. Yeah, we, I mean that's the old yeah. Joke, you know, when you hear people talking on the street about what a great opportunity it is, then it's a bubble, and you should probably be backing out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah. I, I agree with Dave. I think that, that, that the future is in a cryptocurrency, but it's just it's an it was an overblown entire idea. Everyone knows it's a good idea, so at some point when it hits the bottom, buy, buy, buy the best crypto out there. Which I think, and I don't know for sure, I'm just guessing from a little bit I know is ethereum, you know, I think that's the one that I would like to buy when it it's a bottom.
5: Right. Yeah, ethereum seems to be, seems me a little a little more solid um because the methodology is different. Um of course, a lot of people are swearing by ripple because it has central bank backing.
3: Right. Right.
4: <laughs>
5: I wanted yeah. to ask well, you know, something well, about this,
3: That's so. a good
2: point. <laughs> Right, Josh, I had a question
3: ahead. about I had a question about uh, Rand Paul. Okay, we all know we're all fans of Ron Paul and everybody always says Ron Paul is crazy, but then you look at things he's predicted in the last thirty years yep. and they've all come true. But Rand Paul was talking about um immigration regarding the uh um you know, the the DACA and he came up with yeah. a compromise where he wanted to a lot, give the ones here illegally who were brought by their parents as children a chance for citizenship and was saying that if we have a million people a year, we allow it in through green cards, just basically offset the numbers over five years, like 200,000 a year for five years. So it would be a net, you know, the people on the left would like it because mm-hmm. they weren't cutting down immigrants. And then the people on the right would like it because you're not adding to the number of immigrants coming into the country and that you would basically yep. be taking immigrants who are already here versus immigrants who aren't here yet. And it it sounded very reasonable. His speech he gave on the uh, – there's a piece on it on Facebook and on YouTube. It sounded like a very well-thought-out, reasoned, rational approach, and I just wondered what your opinion was if you had seen that.
5: Yeah, I had, and I've seen other proposals from him along the same lines about that and other issues Rand tends to come up with very practical ideas and sort of a com- combination of libertarian ideas and practical solutions to problems. Uh, and mm-hmm. he gets nowhere with them. It's incre- It must be incredibly frustrating to be Rand Paul to have these, these great ideas. And he's got people working for him who've come up with a lot of these ideas and are you know really solid political thinkers. And they're even practical ideas to implement. And then he doesn't get anywhere with them in, in the Senate. Because he, nobody else would go along, he gets you know the same the same five or six people supporting them uh, as sponsors. Uh, and Ron Wyden over on the on the Democratic side has been a supporter of a lot of these measures. Uh, you know he's got so he's got bipartisanship going there, but they just don't go anywhere. He, he can't get them out of committee, or he can't get them voted positively on the floor. And it's just it must be maddening for him. Uh, I mean, I think I don't know if I were him and uh, faced with all these problems. Uh, I would, I would, I would be tempted to give up and and just leave politics, uh, you know. And running for president is sort of like the equivalent of giving up because it's the only position that he could get into where he could implement things, uh, sort of unilaterally, um, and that's where a lot of good could be done.
1: Well, Dave, what's your what what's your stance on immigration? Because I know what I, it is because I've seen what you write on Facebook, yeah. but I, I just want you to tell everybody here.
5: I mean, it's it's it's, it's basic. I mean, people want to come to the United States because uh, it gives them opportunity, and that's what the United States founded on was on uh, you know the ambition of people to live a better life. Uh, and so we shouldn't be going out of our way to make it difficult for them. Uh, economically speaking, the country needs labor. Um, it's going to get worse and worse. If you've been following uh, you know, the article in The Economist and, and Fortune magazine, there are, are real problems coming uh, with the shortage of, of workers, especially in the, the lower, uh, lower tech, lower skill jobs. Uh, we uh, don't have the population, basically, to support expanding the industries the way that we want to. If we want to have our economy continue to grow. Um, so, you know, what I basically believe is that. Uh, we should allow virtually unlimited guest workers, um, and that should be determined basically by the, the market. If there are jobs and they can come into the country and get a job, they should be able to get one. Uh, let them come to the country on a visa that would be for uh, 60 days, um, and then if they got a job, they could then get a guest worker visa. It would last for two years. Uh, and you know, most of these immigrants, these ones who come in illegally, don't really want to live in the United States. They can live cheaper in Mexico. They want to come here and do some work and go back. Uh, the ones who want to immigrate are uh, sort of a different issue. Uh, they want, uh, you know, they want a lot more. Uh, and I don't have a problem with them having to go through, a, you know, a process to qualify for citizenship. But I don't think we should be restricting access to the country. We shouldn't be building walls. Uh, we should have reasonable security on the border. Uh, and if you, don't, if you don't build walls, if you have reasonable security and make it fairly easy to come into the country, then people aren't going to come in illegally. You'll be able to track them. You'll be able to see who they are and, uh, you know, run security checks on them. Uh, and, and then you'd have, uh, you know, a better group of people coming in here, and uh, you wouldn't have them having to come in illegally. Because once you force them underground, you know, they're much more vulnerable to, uh, you know, drug runners, uh, to human trafficking. You keep it all aboard, and there's a lot less of that going to go on.
3: Um,
5: and I think that's, that's the solution ultimately.
2: Well, what, I mean, what do you, you say Trump to the go along with that? Would Trump say yes to your plan? Would Trump?
5: I don't. I don't know. It's it's, it's impossible to see what Trump would say yes to because he keeps changing what his position is. <laughs> <You know.
2: laughs> no, I agree. But say, uh... say the Trumpers, say the Trumpers. I mean, Trump will, the, the 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 true believing Trumper. Well, I think would yeah. would look at that plan and say see fear. And they would oh, be yeah. scared that these people come take their job, which is what they're trying know, to get back by having Trump.
5: The situation has been made a lot oh. worse by the, the efforts of these propagandists who propagandize against immigration of any kind, uh, and I can go on at length about what what's going on there. But basically you know, they don't want anybody coming to the country legally or illegally. Uh, if anything, they want to reduce the number of people in the country, and it makes the country you know, whiter and uh, more Christian and – You know, I don't think that's where our strength lies.
3: That's not going to happen. No, everybody knows the demographics, the demographics just show that's not going to happen. But it seems to me you have two extremes. You have some people who are like border, what's a border? And then you have other people who are like, shut it down, lock them up, send anybody home who doesn't speak English and whatnot. Isn't there a reasonable middle ground of people who still want us to be a sovereign nation, And don't want us to get overrun, but yet understand that we do need a certain amount of immigration in order to maintain economic vitality. I mean, isn't there some kind of a reasonable middle ground there?
5: I think the majority of the people in America are in that reasonable middle ground. They just don't get their voices heard very effectively. You know, the people who shout at each other get heard. And the people who are in the middle saying, wait a second, raising their hand and being polite, don't ever get heard. Um, and That's those true. Are people who have legal point of view on on issues like immigration, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I know you don't have too much longer, Dave. So I wanna um, I wanna ask you a question. Um, there there are a lot of people that I that I talk to on Facebook who just flat out say um, the immigrants coming here today don't assimilate. Take a look at um, Ham Tramp. And um, Dearborn, Michigan And they say They say those the, those are just places Where terrorists Are breeding And we need to get rid of that And what do you say to somebody like that? Well You haven't heard of a lot of terrorists Coming out of those
5: places like Dearborn um, You know Most of the Muslims who come to the United States are, And you know other groups too Are going to be among the more reasonable Muslims the People who come here are coming here because they were being mistreated by extremists in their own country, uh, and they wanted to come here to find a better life. And that included being a little more secular. Um, and you know, trying to to discourage that seems like the wrong idea. Um, and I have I have heard these horror stories coming out of Dearborn, but they aren't they aren't really substantiated. Uh, if you go and look into them, they're mostly people blowing things out of proportion. Uh, it's like the Sharia law thing. You know, they're all the people who talk about how we have creeping Sharia in the United States and these courts are making rulings based on Sharia. Well, it isn't it isn't really true. It's only family courts. Uh, they only make rulings uh, in non-criminal cases. Uh, and it's the same thing that they've done for years, for the Orthodox Jews and other minorities who have family law that's particular to their religion, uh, which is applied by a public court, uh, the same way that, uh, you know, that there are arbitration deals uh, for various uh, things to settle issues as well. It's not really the kind of creeping Sharia taking over the United States that people talk about. Uh, And that's an example of of how overblown uh, this whole situation is. Uh, And I don't think, uh, you know, America has always had minorities, uh, and some of them have been uh, huge minorities that come into the country like the Chinese in the late 19th century. A very large numbers, uh, you know, in the Chinese uh, incursion, it was over a million people, and that was at a time when our population was, you know, only a few, well, I guess about 30 million people uh, mm-hmm. as the country. That was a much more significant migration than anything we've had since then, and those people have assimilated, uh, you know, and it may take you know, 60 or 70 years, a couple of generations, for people to assimilate effectively, um, but they eventually do. Uh, and and the country seems to be very good at making that work out. Uh, So I'm not going to worry about it very much. Yeah.
4: All right, Andy, you've got a question? Yeah, no, I just had um, one non-political thing I thought we could wrap up on. For those who do follow you See Your Stuff on Facebook, I know you – do, do font design and, and typography as yeah. your uh, your day job. I uh, just wondering if you could tell us a little bit how you got into that and how that goes. It's interesting. It's it's, it's always interesting to see your, your packages get you know, yeah. posted and stuff.
5: Well, I'm glad to talk about that. You know, it's something that I, I got into uh, very early on, designing uh, stuff for some magazines I worked for, doing uh, graphic titles and stuff like that with lettering. And then eventually when computers came along, it became practical to make those into fonts uh, and make it commercial. Uh, so all along, I was an academic for a while, taught college history for 20 years. And during all that time, I was working on fonts sort of on the side. And eventually, I guess around 2002, I went off and made it into a real business. And it's done pretty well since then. Uh, it gets to do lots of interesting, interesting design work, very specialized. You know, there are probably only a couple of hundred font designers in the world uh, who are professional font designers uh, and they have a little convention every year called uh, TypeCon and you go there and there are like the same 150 people there every year uh, and you get to hear speeches about obscure topics. It's sort of fun.
4: Uh, is, but, is, know, there a, is there a sans serif
5: caucus? Well, is is, is sans serif what?
4: Is there a sans serif caucus? No, <laughs> yeah, there should be, yeah. There are arguments constantly about
5: <laughs> about sans serif versus versus uh, you know regular uh, uh, serif fonts, uh, and there, there are people who actually lecture on the advantages of serifs uh, because uh, <laughs> it supposedly makes you more readable. I personally favor a demi serif font, which has little serifs instead of big ones, because uh, it sort of solves the problem for you. Now, I, there's a lot of silly stuff like that that goes on though, uh, and the, the, I don't know if you've seen any of the documentaries on font design, but ones, there's a great documentary about Helvetica and how it was it was arranged or set up. Uh, I watched. And, you know, but Helvetica, and Helvetica looks just like every other font, you know. Um, but it has a, a lineage which is interesting. Um, and, but you know, there, there are about a hundred thousand fonts in production right now, um, and there are even more if you go back through the historical record of old fonts. There or thousands and thousands more. That's a lot of what I do is adapt these old fonts and old lettering styles uh, to a modern audience. Um, and it's a lot of fun because it combines my knowledge of history with, you know, sort of artistic aspects. Um, and it, it's good. It, you know, and, and it even spills over to politics because I actually wrote an article uh, a while ago for the uh, Washington Times on uh, on font design and how it relates to political posters. And I ended up getting interviewed by the New York Times, and, uh, you know, got a little pre notoriety uh, because of
1: that. And it was kind of fun. Okay, nice. well, that's that's very interesting. Um, I didn't know that about you, so I'm glad you shared that with us tonight. Um, why don't, <laughs> I try to keep separate. Can you,
2: can you tell me something about Times New Roman? It seems like all the legal stuff is done in Times New Roman. What's the deal yeah. with that font? Is there some kind of official thing with that? What?
4: Yeah, can well,
2: you it's tell me anything about
5: font. that? That's the official font of the New York Times, and um, because it's ubiquitous, because everybody has it on their computer, um, law firms and other businesses have made it their official font that they require people to do um, anything that they publish in that font. Um, it's also mm-hmm. true. Well, no, it's the, also universities also specify for a lot of uh, things, for dissertations and papers. Um, they're very specific about what you can use. Um, some of them use other fonts. Uh, Bookman is used, I think, by the University of Texas, for example. Um, but it's got to be something, you know, if you're going to have something standardized that everybody who works for you is going to use, you've got to have it be something that everybody has on their computers. And Times New Roman has, and, and Helvetica have been uh, distributed to all these, all these computers that are out there, uh, so they're going to be the ones that people, people require when they're requiring things. Fabulous, thank you.
1: All right, um, yeah. Dave. So tell us how folks can can go check out the Liberty First Network if they want to learn well, more about what you do and so on.
5: Yeah, um, they can go to the best way to do this, is go to Facebook and just put in Liberty First, and it'll be the first thing that comes up. Uh, and you know, it features a bunch of original, um, well, original writing. It features quotes from prominent libertarians off the. Uh, off the the internet, it features some memes and other stuff All that sort of in the, I guess, for the purpose of promoting the idea of a sort of moderate, reasonable, practical libertarianism That people can get involved in and try to, you know, make steps to make libertarianism uh, more acceptable to the general public and more familiar to people
1: All right, well that's good um, cool. I encourage people to check that out. Um, I I see the posts and share a lot of stuff from there. And as always, if you're on Facebook, you should friend Dave because his conversations are very lively. Um. I bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, yeah well, thank I, I you I
5: so
2: much for coming on the show.
5: I wanted to say something about the conversation being lively. I worked for a while for a group I think called Blog Critics and I advise them on you know, sort of how to expand their reach through using the uh, comments section on their, their site. And that's sort of what I try to do. I try to get a lot of people with different perspectives involved in comments, and
2: you can get some pretty fiery discussions that way. Yeah, it's a blast. Yes. I love doing that. So but that's what Arvin anyway, did. Arvin what... did, and Arvin got hammered for it. What about Arvin getting hammered for bringing up the best discussion of age of consent
4: in – my lifetime in fifty years. I, I think we're wrapping up and don't have nearly enough time to dive into that topic. Maybe
1: yeah, sure we can yeah. Debate um, I, <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick before we go, Dave, because I did want to I did want to ask you about this and and, and Jeffrey reminded me uh, just briefly. What did you think about this whole uh, Ron Paul being banned from the um, twenty eighteen Libertarian Party convention?
5: Well, as far as I can tell, it was just basically the Mises caucus trying to stir up trouble. Um, and these are a lot of the same guys who were involved in the thing they brought Richard Spencer to the SLS convention or SFL convention uh, last year. They're basically you know, sort of chronic uh, Internet trolls who want to get attention for their point of view and want to run down uh, organized groups like the Libertarian Party. And they found an opportunity to do it with this uh Ron Paul thing, and Ron Paul wasn't involved in any way. He didn't even know he was you know, the people wanted to have him come to the convention. And and now they've of course, I don't know if you heard this is the latest on it, is that they they went ahead the convention planning group went ahead and invited Ron Paul and, and Judge Knapp and it turns out that neither of them has the time free on their schedule to come.
1: So the whole thing <laughs> Yeah, I meetings. saw that. Yeah. So All right. All right, Dave. Well, we we, we enjoyed having you and we hope to have you on again soon. It was fun. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks for coming
4: on. Thanks, Dave. All
1: right, right, guys. Well, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here right on the hour and um, we'll be back again at the end of the month and I'll have another guest lined up and I'll let you know what that is, but thanks for coming on guys. And I'll see you again um, at the end of the month. Adios, yes, Jay. sir,
3: I, and ha, you guys have a good night, and I wish I could think of that guy's right. name. Uh,
2: Matt Nye. And good job, Andy. Oh, the paper about the, the situation with uh, Ron Paul. I love your paper. Thank you so much.
1: helped i posted close to that everywhere I could. Excellent. All right, guys. The, Jeff, the guy's name was Matt Nye.
3: No, that's not who so. I was thinking of, though, but
1: All right. well, I appreciate sorry. it. I, well, I, I,
3: it'll come to me later.
1: Okay. Well, you guys take care. Have a good night.
3: Take care. Have a good night. night. (laughs)